Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It's my show. The phone number is 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program. You, you know, I, I, I have a, a red, like, like I have a boundary on things here because I wish to disincentivize it. All the people who email and say, would you talk about this? Would you talk about this? Would you talk about this? And, and you know, when somebody emails and says, hey, would you talk about this? I tend to say, nope, not going to talk about that because then I, that person is going to think, oh, hey, I emailed him and, and he talked about what I want to talk about. So I'm going to do it again tomorrow and then the next day. And the next. It's happened, y'all. It's happened. Trust me. I know how this works. It's like the, the the people who direct message me now all the time, and and I'm like I I can't during the show, I I, I can't follow along, I, I can't retweet you because then it's just going to happen more and more and more and more, and and it it's gotten overwhelming. So I I, I now I, I have a rule of thumb now. I never retweet the things that people ask me to retweet because I I, I can't. It's it's too many people. I mean, I, I, in the, the hour I, I'm in the studio today, in the hour and 15 minutes, I've got like 110 direct messages on Twitter. And more than half of them are people who want me to just retweet stuff. I'm like, no, I can't. So, but, but on occasion, everybody, everybody saying, hey, can you talk about this? It started with my mom. She's got the credit here. And she said to leave her out of it, but I, she's listening right now, I know. Uh, and and she asked, she says, your dad and I were talking about a recession, depression, the Fed, interest rates. Can, can you kind of explain this all to us? It's like, ah, I'm going to see him this weekend. I'll, I'll do that. And then I got emails from listeners. And then I got direct messages from people. And then I was talking to Charlie this morning and I said, Dude, should I do this? And he's like, oh, we're, we got a bunch of phone calls yesterday from people saying, can you explain it? So. My mom started the trend. She gets the credit. The rest of you followed along after her. You don't get the credit. We must begin with this because the Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates at least 75 basis points today. Now, I need to explain this one to you. 1%. One percentage point is divided into one hundred one-hundredths of a percentage point. Does that make sense? You take uh, one-hundredths of one percent, multiply it out, and you're going to get one percent. So basis points for interest rates, those are the one-hundredths of a point. If you raise interest rates by 75 basis points, you're raising them by 7,500ths, is that right? No, you're raising it by uh, three quarters of a percent. So 75 basis points is 0.75%. 50 basis points is 0.5%. Basis points are those hundredths of a percent added up to 100 of them get you to one percentage point. So if the Federal Reserve raises interest rates by 100 basis points, they're raising interest rates by 1%. If the Federal Reserve raises interest rates by 75 basis points, they're raising interest rates uh, three quarters of a percent. They are expected to raise interest rates by three quarters of a percent today. They may go as high as 1%. 
But when the Federal Reserve raises it, what is the Federal Reserve actually doing? They're raising the amount of interest that a bank must pay the federal government to get money from the federal government. Now, when a bank gets money from the federal government that it then conveys to you, the bank then charges you a higher interest rate than what the Federal Reserve charges the bank, and the bank makes a profit by charging you that higher rate. So if the Federal Reserve raises interest rates by three-quarters of a percent or 75 basis points, the banks are then going to raise the lending rate to you more than that, and they're going to make a profit. When the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it costs more to get money in the form of loans. And a lot of businesses fund their business through loans because interest rates have been so low, they could earn more money in the stock market than the interest rate of the loan they're paying. And so they can sell stocks, invest in the stock market, sell the stocks, get the money, pay the interest, and still come out ahead. That's shifting now. That's shifting My wife and I, when we first got married, she inherited some money, and she was making a good amount of money in the stock market, and she bought a Ford Explorer. And the interest rate on the Ford Explorer, and actually the the entire loan amount on 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 the Ford Explorer, she was making more money in the stock market per month on her inheritance than the car payment. So every month, we would sell a little bit of stock to pay the car payment and our stock was still going up more and then the stock market tanked and we wound up having to wipe out uh, the the inheritance, take the money out of the stock market and pay off the car loan and, and some other bills when the stock market crashed. People make financial decisions based on what interest rates are versus how much they're making in the stock market. And we're now in a bear market as of yesterday. All the stock indices are in a bear market. That means they're beginning to decline, which means if you have a 401k and you're in the stock market and you're close to retirement and you haven't moved to the bond market, you probably need to talk to a financial advisor about moving into the bond market that earns a steady yield, a steady rate of return, as opposed to the stock market, which is in decline right now. It's in bear market territory for the first time in a while. Bear market territory means the stock market is beginning uh, day over day, week over week, month over month to decline. Uh, You're no longer making a profit in the stock market. And a lot of people will then move into the bond market where the bond market tends to be more stable. You get a guaranteed rate of return typically when you buy bonds, particularly good bonds. You don't get high interest rates, but you're doing better than the stock market now. Now, how does all this play out with recessions, depressions, interest rates, inflation? Well, let me back up here and give you the lay of the landscape. Back in 2020, the whole world shut down because of COVID. If you'll remember, there was about a month or two where the oil companies would actually pay you to buy oil. They had to get rid of it. And so they were paying you. You had negative rates, negative costs for a barrel of oil. People weren't working. Oil refinery shut down. Nobody was going to work. And then the government decided to incentivize people staying home to stop the spread of the virus. They were going to pay people to stay home. And the result is that many Americans, many Americans 
we're making about $30,000 more a year to stay home than to go to work because the federal government was giving bonuses for unemployment. In fact, there were a number of companies that wanted to take out the PPP loans, the payroll loans, to pay their employees. And a lot of workers got furious with their employers for doing that because the employees would wind up making more money staying home on unemployment than going to work. Now, let me just give you a hypothetical here. What do you think would happen if every American was given a million dollars by the government tomorrow? What do you think would happen? Every American is given a million dollars by the government. Some of you would save some of the money. Some of you would go out and pay off all your debts. Well, if you went out and paid off all of your debts on interest-bearing loans, suddenly banks and lending institutions are no longer making money because you've all paid off your debts. They make the money off the interest they charge you, and there's no one left to charge interest to because all of the debts have been paid. And so the banks go out of business. And then a lot of you would rush out and buy stuff. Well, during COVID, we had a supply chain problem. The stuff that was being made was being made mostly in China. The Chinese factories were being shut down. So there was a supply problem. Then the government introduced a demand problem. The government threw money at everyone. It wasn't a million dollars. It was $30,000 extra. And most people actually went out and didn't pay off their loans or save money. They went out and spent they had $30,000 extra that wasn't in the budget. Uh, they, they were already saving, so they kept their savings rate the same, and they boosted their spending rate with that $30,000. Well, there was already a supply shortage. The stuff they wanted, they couldn't find, and now they had all the money on hand, so what did they do? They hoarded. People began to go out and buy a lot of stuff. Now, what happens in the supply-demand curve when that happens? Well, the price has to go up. There's so much demand and so little supply, the cost of things has to go up. It causes inflation. Then in the service side of things, people had more money. They were going out to restaurants. Well, the restaurants, they had a supply chain problem because they had to spend more money to get beef because there were supply chain problems. So beef was already more expensive. So they're spending more money on beef. Well, then... All these people start showing up at the restaurants because they have 30000 extra dollars and they want to go out to eat. But none of those people are coming from jobs or working at the restaurants because all the restaurant workers got 30000 extra dollars to stay home and not go to work. So the restaurants now had to start paying people more money to come to work and incentivize them coming back to work. So they had to pay them more than what the federal government was paying them to stay home to give people an incentive to come to work. And so what do the restaurants have to do? They had to raise the costs for you to come to the restaurant. So the prices of food went up. The prices of food went up because the prices to buy the food for the restaurant was higher, and now they had to pay people more money. It's caused inflation. Prices have gone up. So the only way to stop inflation is to now roll back demand. The government can't fix the supply chain problem but they can fix the demand problem. They put too much money into the economy. They gave you too much money. So the way to slow down your demand is to raise interest rates. So you're not going to put as much on your credit card. You're not going to buy as much stuff 
because to do so, you take out loans. And to take out those loans, the interest rate is higher, and that will slow the economy down and get us into a recession. Now, what is a recession? A recession actually has an economic definition, and it's two quarters of negative growth. That means the economy shrinks. That means that people aren't buying less stuff. It's that they're buying negative amounts of stuff. It's that um, there are more people in this country not buying than are buying, so the economy begins to shrink. And when the economy begins to shrink down because people have less demand to buy stuff, suddenly there's all of this supply now and there's so less demand that in the supply and demand curve, the price of things begins to go back down to the demand level. So prices begin to come back down and people find an equilibrium with the amount of money they have now and the costs. The Federal Reserve has to shrink and slow the economy down now in order to lower prices, in order to get all the excess money out of the economy. Interest rates have to go up. They have to make it harder to get money into the economy now to slow the economy down. They have to have a recession. They have to roll things back. Unfortunately, when they have a recession and they roll things back, people start losing their jobs. Interest rates come down, inflation slows down, people lose their jobs, and that's bad. And they do all of this to avoid the worst thing. There's no technical definition for it, but it's a depression. And if the Federal Reserve can't regulate interest rates and can't slow the economy down, eventually you get to hyperinflation where things just exponentially go up and go up and go up and then nobody can afford anything anymore And then there's a depression, and a depression is suddenly nobody has any money. The economy free falls. You have a 10% decline. That tends to be the number they look at, an immediate 10% free fall in the economy. And suddenly everything is very, very cheap, but nobody has a job. So even though everything is very cheap, nobody can buy anything. And when you get to a depression, suddenly you have to start throwing money into the problem anymore. But there's a problem here. The government's printed too much money. And if we don't head into a recession now to slow down inflation, and we slow down inflation by raising interest rates to make it harder to get more money into the economy, if we don't do that, then suddenly we get into a cycle where we hit a depression and everything bottoms out and you have a serious economic crisis. So tomorrow, today, tomorrow, the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates. They're going to raise them probably 75 basis points. That's three quarters of a percentage point. And they're going to do it to make it more expensive for banks to get money, which then makes it more expensive for you and companies to get money from banks, which makes it more expensive to do business, which forces you to slow down and use the money you have instead of going to banks for more money, which slows the overall economy which slows the rate of price increases, which will stop inflation. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. 
And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it. And I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA Sipic. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, you know, I'm going to write about uh, this explanation a little more just so you guys have a little more clarity in what's going on with the economy. If you text the word show to 337771, you can get the podcast links, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, so you can go back and listen to the segment. You can also get the 24-7 live stream, so wherever you are, if there's if I'm not on the radio there, uh, you'll be able to hear me 24-7. Um, just It cycles this show up until noon and then starts playing the next day's show on that live stream, and... Uh, then the bottom link is the most important one. Uh, it's the sh it's the email show notes. If you click it, go to my Substack. You can subscribe. You can get all of the links of all the stuff I'm talking about, and you can get my daily writings. Um, you can subscribe. It's it's seven bucks a month for the paid subscription, uh, and you get all the extra content. You get to comment. Uh, you get to ask questions of me online. You get to. Uh, get the daily show notes with all the links, all that stuff for the seven bucks a month. But you can also subscribe for free and get a lot of my morning stuff. And I will write about the inflation and interest rates. Uh, the, the bottom line that, you, that you've got to understand is that when you raise interest rates, when the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, it makes it more expensive to get money into the economy which means people are more likely to use what they already have as opposed to getting new money from the banks, which means that it slows down spending as people are more deliberate with the money they have and how they spend it, which means people are not buying as much stuff which means the suppliers then begin to lower the prices of goods and services to a point where you have incentive with your existing money to go back and buy, and the economy finds a new equilibrium. Because the White House threw so much, so much money into the economy, it got the equilibrium off in an existing supply chain crisis, and prices skyrocketed.
Ben Bernanke, who used to be a Federal Reserve chairman, pointed out today this isn't like the 60s and 70s in large part because back then no politician in America wanted interest rates to go up. And right now there's bipartisan recognition that raising interest rates will help solve inflation more than on the supply side. The problem, though, is that this White House, this administration, cannot acknowledge that their policies have caused a lot of the problems that we're currently having. Text show to 33777. We come back. I got some audio on this, and I'm happy to take your questions. 877-973-7425. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Now, listen, I don't want to bore you guys with this. I'm just trying to make you all smarter than your neighbors on this and answer your questions. I want to play you some audio. This is from the White House uh, press briefing. I've got to say, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, she is not a good press secretary. She's just not. Um, there are a couple of sound bites, uh, but I want to play you this one in particular out front. But we are coming out of the strongest job market in, in American history, and that matters. And that a lot of that is thanks to the American Rescue Plan, which only Democrats uh, voted for that. Republicans did not. And it led to uh, this this economic boom, this historic economic boom that we're seeing Didn't with jobs. Didn't it also historic inflation? No, that is no. not that is that is that is not uh, that is not how we're seeing the American Rescue Plan. They see that it's not how we're seeing the American Rescue Plan. Every eco- major economist in America, outside of the partisan left, and that doesn't mean I'm just talking Republican or conservatives. Even liberal economists like Larry Summers, who worked for Obama and for Clinton acknowledge the American Rescue Plan put more money into the economy then should have been put into the economy, which risked inflation. Um, hang on. Um, I where, where's where is this? I want to pull this back up. Uh, bum, 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 um, because it was 2021 when Larry Summers wrote it. Uh, yep. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Um, uh, let's see. Nope, that's that's wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. So Larry Summers was the press secretary. He wrote an op-ed, and he said that inflation was going to go up if the United States did not. Um, do what he needed to do or that they were going to pump so much money in. Larry, I'm, I'm sorry. I was trying to find the link and now I can't find the link. Um, so essentially Larry Summers, there it is in February of 2021, he wrote an op-ed February 4th. The Biden stimulus is admirably ambitious, but it brings some big risks too. Let me read you again. This is February, 2021 from a Democrats, Democrat, Larry Summers, president of Harvard, advised Barack Obama and Bill Clinton on the economy. President Biden's $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief plan added to the stimulus measure Congress passed in December with the incoming administration's support would represent the boldest act of macroeconomic stabilization policy in U.S. history. Its ambition, its rejection of austerity, 
austerity orthodoxy and its commitment to reducing economic inequality are all admirable. It is imperative that safety net measures for those suffering and investments in vaccination and testing be undertaken rapidly. Yet bold measures need to be accompanied by careful consideration of risks and how they could be mitigated. I agree with the general consensus of progressive economists that it would have been better if the Obama administration had been able to legislate a much larger fiscal stimulus in early 2009 in response to the Great Recession. Yet a comparison of the 2009 stimulus and what is now being proposed is instructive. In 2009, the gap between actual and estimated potential output was about $80 billion a month and increasing. The 2009 stimulus measures provided an incremental 30 to $40 billion a month during 2009, an amount equal to about half the output shortfall. In contrast, recent Congressional Budget Office estimates suggest that with the already enacted $900 billion package under Donald Trump, the gap between the actual and potential output would decline from about $50 billion a month in the beginning of the year to $20 billion a month at the end. The proposed stimulus will total in the neighborhood of $150 billion a month, even before consideration of follow-on measures. That's three times the size of the output shortfall. In other words, what he's saying is that our economy needs X amount every month to operate without causing economic calamity. In 2009... The economy needed $80 billion of economic output a month to keep employment steady, not have inflation, not have a recession. And the Obama stimulus was going to add, based on federal spending, $40 billion a month. So there would still be a $40 billion shortfall, which means the economy would slow down. But with with Joe Biden, after the Trump package of $900 billion— the economy was going to need $20 billion a month additional spending to avoid a slowdown. What Joe Biden was going to do was give the economy $150 billion a month. As a result, that was going to overheat the economy because the economy, what feeds an economy? Money. Money feeds an economy. So if you give an economy $50 billion a month and the economy needs $100 billion a month, the economy is going to slow down by $50 billion because the economy can only has enough energy based on the available amount of money. If, however, the economy needs $50 billion a month and instead you're going to feed it $150 billion a month, what's the economy going to do? It's going to speed up. It's going to devour as much money as it can. And if it's devouring $150 billion a month and there's not enough in the private sector to sustain it, well, then the economy is going to get overheated. And what's going to have to happen is prices are going to have to go up to restrain the economic beast. You're going to have inflation. Larry Summers warned about this. Let let me read you this. In normal times, a family of four 
with a pre-tax income of $1,000 a week, would take home about $22,000 in the next six months. Under Joe Biden's proposal, if the breadwinner is laid off, the family income over the next six months will exceed $30,000. Judged relative to either the macroeconomic output gap or declines in family income, the proposed COVID package from the Biden administration is too large. The Biden administration is right that it will never have a progressive window of opportunity like the present one. I share the judgment that the risks of insufficient stimulus are greater than those of excessive fiscal stimulus. In many ways, an overheated economy in which employers are desperate to find workers and push up wages and benefits would be a positive thing. Yet, as a massive program moves toward enactment and implementation, policymakers need to ensure they have plans in place to address problems. One, while there are enormous uncertainties, there's a chance the macroeconomic stimulus on a scale close to World War II levels will set off inflation. And two, there are fundamental problems of economic injustice, slow growth, and inadequate public funding that could be exacerbated. And all of those things are happening now. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. Listen to me right now. If you're an employer, if you own a business right now, if you own a business, listen to me. If you can do it, you immediately need to start letting your employees work from home. You need to let your employees work from home if you can do it. Because gas prices are so high right now, people are spending a lot of money just to get to work. And you can improve your workers' lives immediately by letting them stay home right now if you can do it. Some employees have to go to work. If you can boost their pay, you probably need to do it. If you can let them stay home and don't need to boost their pay, do that. But this is a massive economic cost in the economy right now, and it plays into all of these other concerns about cost of living, about inflation, about the available amount of money to be able to spend. We have supply problems with gas prices right now. The less people out there driving alleviates those problems, helps brings down those costs. There are things the private sector can do, but a lot of it we have to acknowledge is government-made, and this Biden administration refuses to acknowledge their own problems. I mean, listen to this. This is an exchange between Peter Ducey and, and the White House press secretary. President Biden once bragged about the stock market hitting record after record after record on my watch. How about now? Meaning the stock market. All the gains from President Biden's time in office have been wiped out. So, as you know, we're watching. We're watching closely. Uh, we know families are concerned about inflation in the stock market. Uh, that is something that the president is is really aware of. And so, look, we face global challenges. We've talked about this. Uh, this is we're not the only country dealing uh, with what we're seeing at the moment as it relates to inflation. You know, Putin Putin's price hike, inflation uh, coming coming out of a once in a generation uh, global pandemic. All all of those things play a factor. And, uh, and you know, but the thing, the way that we see this is that the American people are well positioned uh, to face these challenges because of the economic historic uh, gains that we have made uh, under this president, under this president in the last 16 months. Now, when you 
brag about the stock market doing well as they used to attack Donald Trump. Uh, you, you own it when the stock market collapses. The stock market, all indices, the S&P, the NASDAQ, the New York Stock Exchange overall index, and the Dow are all lower today than when Joe Biden took office. He owns that because he wanted to brag about going up more than Trump. He now has to take the decline. He doesn't want to in the same way he doesn't want to be blamed for inflation, but it is directly related, directly related to their policies. Now, let me take a phone call here. 877-973-7425. Lee, I'm going to go to you. Welcome. Hey, good afternoon. So I kind of agree with your explanation on inflation and the interest rates driving down the price on goods and services. The caveat that I have is with the current administration, uh, their stand on fossil fuels, what is the reaction to that uh, when prices of crude oil uh, keep going up? Yeah, okay, so this is part of the problem here, and this is directly related into the inflationary issues. The Because energy prices keep going up, prices of everything else go up. Prices of everything else go up because it costs more to produce energy, it costs more to get the energy, and it costs more to move goods and services around the country. So that all gets factored into the prices. Now, this administration, because it refuses to incentivize additional uh, fuel and additional oil, petroleum production and exploration in the country, that's being factored into inflation as well. I mean, 70 percent or so of our inflationary costs right now come out of the energy sector. If you figure out the energy issue, you figure out everything else. Listen to CNBC this morning. Uh, you're doing 10% year over year uh, plus or almost 11%. We still have a big problem up the pipeline, and that's going to filter down. And then the question obviously becomes how much that could be passed along to consumers and whether or not we're at some form of a breaking point of consumers rejecting these higher prices and <clears throat> businesses unable to pass them along, and that would hit profits. Yeah, what they're saying there is is you've got inflationary problems in the, uh, the pipeline that are coming down to consumers. The consumer pricing index has not yet seen the last of inflation because there are producer inflation problems. As producer costs are going up, they're going to pass those down to consumers. We have a really, really sh- big struggle ahead of us in the economy that the Biden administration, frankly, is not equipped to deal with. Uh, we do not have enough uh, energy out there right now, and we could, but they have not been willing to expand production, and that's a problem. Uh, it's not all their problem. There are international restraints in the supply of oil, but there are a lot of domestic problems the Biden administration itself caused from shutting down Anwar to shutting down Keystone XL individually not big issues, but together, taken with the reduction on federal land drilling, the increase in regulations, shutting down the Gulf of Mexico exploration, and then putting sour crude into the market. I'll explain that when we come back. That's causing more problems. So they've got a, the Federal Reserve now has to reduce the availability of money, the liquidity, if you will, in the economy 
to get you to use the money you have instead of running to the bank for more money. And really, it's corporations more than you. they got to get corporations to take the money they have and spend it instead of running back to the government and getting more and more because that's causing more and more problems of putting more and more money into the economy, which is causing prices to go up and up, and they got to stop inflation. they got to stop the prices going up. So if you force a company to use the money it has on hand – and not go back and get cheap loans, companies have to scale back their purchasing, which slows things down, which causes a recession, which causes prices to come down. And about a recession is about the only way we're going to solve this problem now. I'll tell you something where prices haven't gone up that you can benefit from is the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the air purifier from Eden Pure. Remarkable product. It gets rid of the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen floating in the air. It also eliminates odors. If you're like me, we don't have an exhaust fit in our kitchen where it broke. And it was a down exhaust, not an not an exhaust like from a fan above the stove or from below. And when we needed to replace our stove, we couldn't find a new one uh, that, that would work. So we just got rid of it. And we haven't had a new one installed. And so now if I fry in the house and you get the fry odor like the onion rings the other day, wherein I lost my thumb, well, I had to break out the Pure Thunderstorm to be able to wipe out the odors in the kitchen. And it really does work. It works on moldy, musty smells, uh, smoky odors, pet odors. And right now you can get three of them for less than $200 by going to EdenPureDeals.com. You put in my discount code on the front page, EdenPureDeals.com. It'll say discount code. You put in ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll click through to the three Eden Pure Thunderstorms. You'll get three of them. They're normally each of them above $100. Instead, you'll get three of them for less than $200. You will save $200 overall on your price, and you get free shipping. It's EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Go get them now. Start cleaning the air in your house. I keep one in my suitcase. They're so small I can travel with it. Even plugs in with a USB cord. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code ERIC3. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. Um, I, I see the story. I wasn't going to talk about it. I went in the show notes, but I just saw it. Uh, at L- Delta Airlines is now serving cold brew coffee on board its planes and adding a canned wine. Uh, the Atlanta-based company says the moves are part of an effort to buy more provisions from small businesses and women in LGBTQIA, TPPAAP, whatever, uh, led companies that follows decisions by Delta to offer liquor made by Black-owned distillery Dunord Social Spirits and business class amenity kits made with textiles by Mexican artisans. I look, I don't care about all of that as long as you keep the Miller Lite. I'm I'm totally fine. Uh, don't get too uppity that you get rid of the Miller Lite. But my problem is the food sucks. I mean, the food options are just garbage. I don't know who the snobs are who pick out the food menus like they want to start selling you impossible burgers and um, shrimp bowls and burrata salads. That just sounds horrible. Who wants who wants to eat that crap? Uh, just give me like a real burger or a turkey sandwich, please, instead of trying to frou-frou this stuff up. It's airplane food, y'all. I'm not looking for gourmet, and if I was looking for gourmet, I wouldn't want an impossible burger anyway. Uh, please, uh, just just keep the Miller Lite, and and at least you got vanilla ice cream on Delta flights apparently now. But um, please, can you just stop with the the frou frou garbage food and give me like normal food instead of eggplant parmesan and impossible burgers? 
I mean, even in the, ugh, just gross. 